Hello, and welcome to the Furman Woods Contemporary Art Podcast. I'm your host and assistant director at Furman Woods, Jessica Harvey. Today we'll be hearing from an artist from our In Steps of Sundew exhibition, Tom Baskefield. Tom is a multidisciplinary artist exploring interests in place, ecology, matter, and spirit. Since 2015, he has been working on Shaped by Stone, an arts council-funded project with photographer Mario Popham. Some of his works on paper from that project are currently in the exhibition in the Arches, our creative space in the middle of Fine Shade Wood, which is a fitting location for both Tom's work and the following conversation. I'd like to quote Tom's own description of these artworks, as well as urging you to visit the link in the episode description to view them. Tom says that the drawings, They are rubbings of pieces of stone made using graphite, a geological substance in itself, which is painted around using a mixture of a black earth pigment from North Devon called Bideford Black and Coal. The contrast created by the shiny metallic-looking graphite and the matte black of the earth elements was a happy studio accident, but one that really got to the crux of my interests, that of the human connection to the earth. The works reflect on human processes of quarrying and mining, and also on earth processes and geological time, so the use of the earth elements in their creation is fitting. I didn't want the works to simply be representations of unique pieces of stone, but to be of stone, earth within themselves. As you can tell, stone is both emblem and starting point for Tom. So... We begin with a pebble in the hand of a rambler and travel through issues of mindfulness, theology, human versus geological time, nationalism, and home. Here is Tom Baskefield in conversation with writer and Furman Woods trustee, Josh Allen. I'm uh, glad we finally got to, to, to line this up and, and have a quick chat. Um, I, uh, yeah. I, I think quick chat might be a, a bit of a misnomer. Um, I've been looking forward to this for some time and discussing your practice with you. Um, you've actually, I'll just, I'll just pause there. Yeah, well, no, it's, 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 it's very nice to be invited to have a chat with you about, about my practice and, uh, stony things. So yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. I've been looking forward to it as well. Perfect. Um, I've, um, I've, I've read your, your piece stone works or stone words, excuse me. Um, published by uh, Fieldstone Press uh, back in, actually this year, 2020. Um, and I was struck by a lot of the points you brought up throughout um, mm-hmm. and your views on place as not just a setting, but as the actual content of an artistic practice really spoke to me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not an artist, but I do enjoy uh, the living in the artistic world like it, it surrounds us as it were um and putting our ears like like pausing speaking for a moment which for me obviously is sometimes a challenge but taking taking a moment to stop speaking and listen um particularly to those things that don't have voices in your in your case stones the the mm-hmm. land place it really speaks to me um i, I wondered if you could if if, if there's a, a quick introduction or to sort of uh, how you view your practice, where your thoughts are at, um, and <laughs> just start from there. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I think really I 
for some years, I'd say I, I have a place-based practice, and it really grew out of um, um, being well in the having moved back to my hometown of Macclesfield in Cheshire um, back in the sort of mid noughties in my mid twenties, and it, it was literally. Um, a difference of walking up the hill or walking down the hill. I, as a kid, would walk down the hill, get out of the town, and then as an adult, I started walking up the hill. And that took me into the foothills of the Peak District and tuned me into dry stone walls and fields and hills, quarries and trees and, uh, you know, all the life within a more rural setting. Um, so that's really where it, where I started, um, and yeah. So really, I, I I think of myself as a an artist who views art as a as a way of um, engaging with place and really a way of finding myself in the world or how I see myself in the world. I think it has a sort of a, a spiritual dimension in that sense as well. That connection to place and other than human life and. Uh, and so on and um really yeah the focus on stone started at that point um and then some years after that i studied for an ma in art and environment down in falmouth and found myself creating a project around a field there and really the stones again were speaking to me at that point just poking out of the of the soil saying gosh you know we've been here for many a millennia and we're still here and and um i was quite struck by that i was thinking more of the soil at that point but the stones were really they were sort of you know just there kind of nodding at us humans saying you know we're we're still sort of in in that sense in the cultivating of land we're we're in your way still if you like um and for me there were sort of little beacons of of something deeper going on um and then it yeah, led on into into works back in Macclesfield to do with the relations, the sort of provenance of place. I like to think of it at that time, the, the linking of a hillside quarry to the town itself, the movement of gritstone from this quarry down into the flagstones and cobbles and um, walls and so on in the town and, and on into the, and then into the Welsh slate and the mountains of North Wales, you know, it's so the slate uh, focusing on stone just has taken me on um, many a journey sort of into the deep time, I guess. The I was struck by stones and, and their formation takes millennia um, mm-hmm. and sort of their relocation, their placement and, and such. Um, you know, a good chunk of England was once underwater. Um, and I mean, that's, you know, chalk was once small small creatures um the the difference between sort of human and geologic timescales really speaks to me um when, when you when you when you said earlier like that you see the stones poking up from from underneath the soil just like hey we're still here mm-hmm. um and and you would sort of walk around and see them and it's 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 easy to forget that we are the interlopers um the stones have been there for longer than, I mean, longer than humanity has been a thing. And, and here we are, um, just, it, it sees the sun for the first time in, you know, 20,000 years. And, 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 uh, you know, when I was a boy, I, uh, uh, in, in America, I would, I would, um, I was worked, I worked for a farmer who 
employed me. I wasn't very good with farming. Um, I was uh, I was from a city, and I'd, I'd move out to the country, and I needed some income, and so I, I liked the fields, and I liked the farms. So I found a farmer and said, hey, will you hire me? And he said, yes, but you're good for nothing, so just go pick some rocks. Um, and I, I would you know, clear the, clear the way for, you know, the, the cultivators and the, and the harvesters. Um, they, they do damage when it comes to, um, human interactions with the soil in which they live. And I was always struck, um, even at the time I, I, I kept missing the point about and my job was, was to go out there and pick the giant rocks, the size of one's head to get out of the way. Cause those are the ones that do real damage. Mm. Um, and I was, I was given essentially a, a four by four, um, Actually, it was a three by three because it was an old Honda model, big red, um, and it was a lot of fun, but it was super dangerous. And I had a lot of a lot of fun uh, in my job there. But I, I would um, I would crisscross the fields for two or three times as long as I should have, just picking up rocks like supposed to be the size of you know a cantaloupe or a cauliflower, and I'd get down to about the size of you know a peach pit. Um, and it's like, oh, this one looks cool. You're in 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 stone words. You've you've gone in. Um, and describe some of your process, which is um, walking in a field. It's not just writing about place in, an, in the abstract, but in a very real, personal, literal sense. Location here. Um, yeah. And it, it's easy now to look back and, and realize that's what I was doing then, but like you've, you've realized for some time that's what you've been doing. I think stones run deep for humans. You know, I think that if we think of ourselves having emerged out of the earth um, and that we we would have been settling in in dwellings within caves and and so on is what we what we're led to believe through uh, archaeology and so on um, that I think there's something in in the presence of stone that that runs very deep for us humans you know we're we're living in a time now where we're we're very detached from from the field. We're detached from that process. The majority of us have, have, have traipsing around a, a, a tilled soil and picking stones out because it's going to damage the, the farm equipment. Um, it wasn't that long ago when people were doing that in in you know in the UK still quite regularly I I think and and you know you can go to fields today and there'll still be people picking stones. I have a friend who's a farmer out down here in Somerset and um, out in the Mendips and he's still picking stones in the field and you know whoever is is farming that land in generations to come if we're still here um, will still be picking those stones out um, and so I think there's something very very deep in that and that's something that chimed with me early on when I started to walk walk the old paths in Macclesfield and walking fields in in um, Cornwall and then having quite recently settled in Somerset um, there there was still um, yeah it it's just the need to to come back to that and the the resonance of stone within within my my being and there being some connection between my my body and the stone's body and um you know the body of the earth and it i i'm not quite sure what it is um but it's the same sort of thinking about quarrymen or anybody you know i i've been reading the book the stone book by alan garner in in a bit of preparation for this and um, that's a story about a girl called Mary and her, her father, based in Audley Edge in Cheshire, well, Chorley, which became Audley Edge, I think. And um, 
right at the start, she's been in the fields picking stones. Her apron's full of stones and she goes into her house and tips her apron up onto the stones. Her father's a stonemason and he's going, he's building a, the spire of the new church and he's developed in her an appreciation of the stones. And what that, that book is really about, the uh, reading of the land through the, through the stones. And it's, um, I don't know, there's something profound there. I'm not quite sure what it is. And I feel that that's what keeps, keeps pulling at me with the stones, that there's some knowledge that we're missing in this day and age that, that perhaps we can, we can relearn through, uh, through paying attention to stone. In my in my home, in sort of here in rural Northamptonshire, um, I'll go on walks through the fields surrounding, um, and I'll, I'll usually have a small rock that'll turn over in my hands. I'll, I'll not a, not a single rock. I'll just I'll go out and find one uh, on the way out from my house. I'll just say, oh, that one looks cool. Um, got a bunch of knobbly ridges, and oh, there's a bit of flint, you know. Um, yeah. And I've I've found it useful or calming or or peaceful or something along those lines. Some, some, it evokes some, some sense of calmness um, that lets me sort of register the memories in the stone. Um, and I, th- I, it, I'm sure that it simp- can be simply described, sort of cheaply described as just, oh, it's a mnemonic. But it, it seems to be more than that. Um, it, it, it really is a channel and a focus for the memories that I've, of, of, the, the thoughts that are running through my head and it's a way to sort of channel those into something productive and mm-hmm. so my experience uh, especially on those walks just rambling through the fields is sort of reflective uh, I, I looking I'm looking inwards um, naturally I, I look I look to the to the my surroundings um, I, I try to in, in, appreciate a sense of place sense of sort of motion transience um, but it's very much focused on reflection and trying to find, make sense of the world and using this rock to mm. sort of prompt that. And, and reading through um, your, your writings and, and reviewing your sort of, your, your, your suite of work, your, your, your body of work, mm. I, I've, I've found that it, 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 it is at least equal parts reflective, but also perceptive, focus on experiencing the world around you and mm. letting that doing the reflection later do you agree is that is that um mm. was that an intent or is that uh, sort of a, a happy byproduct of your process no it is i, th- I think that is an intention yeah, yeah to to really perceive and to you know these these complex layers of of um sort of earth history and human history culture nature however we want to talk about it um when you get into stone, you you are getting into those those complex layers of you know and the the stones that are um, thrown up in a field or stones that have come out of a quarry. They're coming out of a human process in relation to the land. And um, um, yeah, I think they they throw up many interesting questions. So they, it isn't just sort of that, yeah, reflecting or, or it isn't just the feeling of it wasn't this a, a beautiful stone or um, it, it is sort of inquiring um, a little deeper than that, I think, for me. If, if, if it's all right with you, I'd, I'd like to read a small bit from um, hmm. the Stone Words, uh, the, the opening excerpt from Shaped by Stone. 
Um, in this time of deep e ecological imbalance, what might it mean to contemplate and seek out connections between the dissecting of a hillside and the creation of streets and buildings? What impact might it have on people's relationship to place, to their home, to realize and reflect on this relationship? Might it create a sense of connection? Might it further develop a desire to take care of one's home and be involved in its future? That that really reached someplace deep with me. Um, I've moved around quite a lot uh, throughout my life, and home has become sort of a where I am sort of situation. Um, and it's it's always challenging to find the real home in the house, the the home in the place, and I think you you put that well there in that connection with the earth and the the stone as the most solid aspect of the earth um, really links you with place and really ties you to um, where you are both sort of temporally, geographically, and sort of mentally. Everything, mm -hmm. it's it sort of, everything sort of coalesces down into that stone. Um, and I can't remember exactly when, but some years ago, I started picking up rocks from from my travels. Just little ones, stuff I could fit in a pocket or in a, in a like a backpack or something along those lines. Um, something no one would really complain about. It has, the, it has the added benefit of being a very cheap souvenir. <laughs> but... It, it also is, is a way of, I mean, I can still walk through and, and point out where I was when I saw that. And it made me, like, it, it's always a challenge to, to see all around you. To, like, to look around and, and see everything, like, to see, to perceive, just mm -hmm. with a capital P. Um, rather than just, here I am on the streets thinking about where I need to be, you know, I've got to, I've got to, you know, keep this meeting or I've got to go get a cup of coffee or, you know, I'm hungry, where's lunch? But really mm -hmm. tying you to now, but and drawing out the moment of now into an experience of now, um, where it's just more than just a, like a fleeting passing moment. It's something, something really to like appreciate and, and hang on to. That introduction that you read there was, um, was part of a proposal for the Shape by Stone project very early on. And it, it very much um, came from a perspective of uh, my relationship with with my hometown, Macclesfield. It was it was a way of trying to that project was very much a way of um, uh, thinking about my own relationship to that place. I had a complex relationship to it. It's my hometown. I hadn't necessarily really wanted to move back to it, but I found myself back there and thought, what it. What am I doing here? Um, so really, the that was that the stone became a way of of thinking about the place itself, thinking about um, it as a as a town that I had known in my my lifetime, town that had a a, a deep past um, in a human sense, seven hundred and fifty year old, you know, on the on the charter. Um, but then in a geological sense, it just, uh, finding a way of thinking about place through stone, um, put the human, the human built environment in the context of, of a hillside 
and then you put the hillside in the context of the UK, and you put the the UK in the context of the of the Earth. So, you know, I've I've travelled a little bit, but I've I haven't lived outside of the UK. Um, but yeah, you can, I, I can, the relationships I've had when I've been focused in in probably a similar way to you, picking your stones, and it becomes a bit of a sort of a project, and it's a it's. It's a way of evoking memory when you're in a different place and you go, oh, I remember that time when I picked that stone up. I think about, it's probably similar for me, having started the the work with the stone and making um, the rubbings from the stone was a way of sort of gathering the stone but processing it through a, because I'm an artist, feeling like I should create an artistic process that enables me to um, connect in a in a way and and gather and present then to an audience um but it i think it has a similar holds a similar purpose for me in that it is about something about memory very much uh, you know sort of how you're describing it as well memory of place and time in life and and so on and then there's something about a deeper memory that isn't i sort of have this feeling that it isn't about my conscious memory it's sort of going back into the memory of the earth and um, discovering something that I've perhaps not known before, but is there within me. Um, but yeah, something I like about um, Stone and something I reflect on is is that sense that it is it it connects everything. You know, you go down to the bedrock and you are you connect. The earth is connected through the stone, so we can because we do because we're humans. We categorize and and list and create, give names to different different stones from different parts of the country or the world. But one stone relates to another stone and relates to another stone, and um, that whole the holistic uh, aspect of stone or the interconnectivity. Um, I'm I'm very drawn to that as well as a way of thinking about being in the world today you know and in these times where we're there's a greater sense of individualism and um, nations and and so on it, it feels to me that when you think about the earth in its geological on its geological level you're thinking about the earth as a as a unified um, thing and that's that's very appealing to me when you zoom out far enough the earth is what's significant um, not the stuff that's happened sort of on its surface for the past couple hundred thousand years. Mm-hmm. Um, it not to sort of minimize, well, maybe, maybe a little bit to minimize our, our, our role in the sort of processes here. I, I, I think that now it's when we're, when we have a better understanding of what we have to lose, um, it, it makes preserving what we have a little bit a, a little bit sharper and a bit more a little bit more pronounced mm-hmm. um especially in, in terms of becoming connected with place and like the the bones of the earth um not just urban environments but rural and wilderness environments as well um connecting us with with the totality not just the small world we've been looking at but the bigger one that surrounds it mm-hmm. and the even bigger one that surrounds that um mm-hmm. i think it i, I think taking a moment to, to think about, as you pointed out, like the, the, how the rocks and the stones, like stone with a capital S being, um, not a, like, it's not Lego bricks. It's, it's not small chunks that are easily differentiated. It just, it's, it's like more like taffy 
all sort of flowing and shaping um, and m- morphing into one and in, into the various little, little bits. Um, it's hard to separate when you get very granular. Well, I, I mean, I, you've just got me thinking about um, there's a wonderful book called Timefulness by um, a, a female geologist and Professor Marcia Bjornerud, I think is how you pronounce her name, might be wrong. Um, but early on in that book, she talks about rocks, not just being, you know, rocks are verbs, not nouns. So they are, they are in motion. You know, they're, they're always in flux. They're always rocking, if you like. You know, they're, they're not just stationary things. We think of rocks as being having, having been made in some far-flung process way back in the, the evolution of the planet. And that then they stop being, they then they're formed, and there we are. We've got a chunk of granite there, or we've got a chunk of sandstone, or gritstone, or limestone, or whatever, and we we build things with it, or we appreciate we we take them and put them in our pockets and put them on our mantelpieces or whatever, and that they're 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 there set in time. But she, and I think she, I, I feel she's right because I think every everything, everything's a process. I, I, I believe that's true, um, that that rock, the, the rock in your pocket is probably losing losing a bit of its surface in your pocket. So it's going through a process there and then it, it ends up somewhere else and it, maybe it ends up outside for a period of time, it's weathered outside or it, it, it ends up in a different, uh, I don't know, on a different mantelpiece, but it's always something in process. And I think that's that's something else that um perhaps that we're not quite so um willing to uh, think about is everything is in flux and everything's in process and um everything's changing all the time and it's funny to think of all change and flux and process in relation to rocks because they seem so definite and finite but i think that was another thing that i rather like there's a sort of paradox there that within the rock you know we we carve our name or have our names carved in stone when we pass from this 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 world to wherever thinking that that's going to be permanent but any you visit any graveyard and you can see that that isn't the case the depending on the stone it's it's been weathered and it will continue to do so in that after you know however long that gravestone will be part of the soil and it just keeps going in this process that is the earth and um for me personally, I, I you know I agree with your comments about the human being the interloper, on the one hand, um, but I really had I also I quite like the um, the position of of the human. There's a there's a writer um, thinker called Thomas Berry who was um, he was a Franciscan monk, passionist order I think yeah, American, and uh, from. You know, he was born in the early 20th century and died in the in the early 21st century. He had a long life, and then for the good chunk of the last half of his life, he devoted all his thinking to ecological, and sort of ecological and theological writing, thinking coming together. He 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 referred to himself as a geologian, um, <laughs> sort of later on in his life, and um, his his project is very much about. Um, even though he came from this sort of Catholic perspective, and I must say, and you know, I'm, I'm 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 very much from a, coming from a secular perspective, um, and been very much sort of raised really as an atheist, but I'm 
I wouldn't call that, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. Um, um, that we, he was trying to put the human in the context, our broadest context, and for him our broadest context is the context of the universe. And we are, we're the universe in human form. And I like to think of that, you know, I like to think, well, yeah, you know, we, we seem to have a problem as human beings, pushing things too far and not knowing when enough is enough. And, you know, really that it would be beneficial not to keep digging that hillside up or not to keep putting a load of pesticides and herbicides and artificial fertilizers on our soils. And it'd be really useful to not take out all those hedgerows because then mm. we're, we're taking a load of habitat away from other, other, other life forms who have just as much right to be here as we do. Um, so we can, you know, we can certainly, if you start to get into that and worry very much about the human being so destructive, because we clearly are very destructive. But it seemed to me that there needs, we can, we can descend into, into the sort of worrying and hating ourselves or, 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 or not, and people don't care or, or whatever. Um, or we can start to really try and shift our thinking and see our truest context. And and if we perceive ourselves to be the universe being able to reflect on itself, then we perceive ourselves to be the earth reflecting on itself, seems to me. And then we start thinking, well, you know, I emerged out of this earth and the rocks are part of me. You know, you get further into that and you get into conversations about humans being stardust and so on. and <laughs> and And... We are, you know, if you think yeah. of if if that is the story that, you know, one one believes of the Big Bang and 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 so on and all the all the elements of of the Earth being made in supernovas and and so on, then we're part of that journey. And I I think for me it, it, it's very much that thinking about rocks is thinking about putting the human in our deepest context and and just connect 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 as opposed to separate into into categories quite so much they're very useful for trying to understand things but it's also very i think very good to then go well it's actually all part of one thing at the same time the the idea that we're all tied together and how even stones morph over time <clears throat> it just you have to it, it it gives it encourages context like taking a step back and mm. thinking for just a moment like oh this rock has a different context than me and i i don't know yeah. I, it, I i i don't want to fall into the trap of sort of um using humans facility for language to explain a bunch of other unrelated phenomena but i i i like the context and the perspective that stone offers not just a matter of um not just a matter of telling you screaming jumping down your throat um and, and being told but just presenting just sitting and waiting to be perceived i love that it, mm -hmm. it, it places the onus on the seeker and not upon the salt i just love that mm -hmm. yeah you're getting me thinking about um i think there's a oh, i can't remember her name now uh, oh yeah annie annie dillard is it who, um, what is she? I can't remember the the name of her most famous book. I haven't I haven't read any of her work, but a friend of mine was telling me about a book that she was reading called Teaching a Stone to Speak, and I thought, oh, actually, I think I'm really the other way around, being taught to speak by stones, 
So mm. that is a, a thought that has been going around my mind. I don't know what, you know, I think that relates to what you were saying. I don't know what the stone is necessarily telling me, um, but I'm still very captivated by its mutterings. I think I feel like that about it. And maybe I will, you know, if I live a long human life, um, I'll get to the end of my life and still not quite know what the stone was telling me. But I, I think there's something, there's something in it that, that it maybe at the very least it's just telling me that I'm part of it, and we're all part of it, part of this earth, and that we, uh, and and uh, maybe that's. Maybe that's what we need to know. I don't know. You know, instead of our lofty ideas about being elsewhere and doing all all these things um, that we think we should be doing or could be doing, or worrying about not being in the now, but being being here, there, and everywhere. And we all have to do that. We, you know, we we're living in the twenty first century, and life is just busy because that's what we've created for ourselves. Um, but we've created a sense that we are separate from each other and from everything else. But it seems to me that that's a really unhelpful way of thinking. It might get you, a, you know, a quick bit of something for yourself, but generally, in the in the long term, it's it's unhelpful. And that really, you, I think you, um, just going back to one of your previous, um, I think you maybe you said. What was it stone with a capital S or something else? And I was thinking then about self as well, and that I'm quite interested in this um, idea of deep ecology, a term coined by Arnie Ness, a Norwegian philosopher back in the sort of 1970s. And um, he talks a lot about self in that the small sort of social self, and then the big, the 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 grand self, the ecological self. And uh, I think Stone does that as well. It brought, pulls us into perceiving our small human social selves in a broad context. I guess we're coming back to that again. The, the, the Stone brings us literally down to earth. I'm 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 imagining a uh, sort of just an individual standing in a field with like sort of their sort of the the soil or, or or such is is over their feet and they're just sort of sinking and bracing and just settling it it's not it's not sinking and it's not or I know I just said sinking but it's not sinking in a sort of a drowning sense just grounding sense and and just finding mm-hmm. place getting stability rooting oneself and mm. I, I I like I not having had roots for much of my adult life, it it is peaceful, and mm-hmm. and I don't know welcoming to to for that that thought, and just connecting with place, connecting with here, not focusing on tomorrow, and not not trying to recall mm-hmm. what happened yesterday. Just focus on place, and I was thinking um, about sort of the 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 flow, um, how time like works differently for rocks, for stones. Um, and the idea of good stewardship um, mm. from the human's standpoint. Um, and there's some raw satisfaction or peace that comes from the fact that we can't do much to harm rocks. Um, they will continue. They will do... They will continue rocking, just... Um, mm. And, like... The, 
like it doesn't matter what what we do to them is just a little blip like it's fine it it sure it sucks now um but it uh it does it won't always and there's something there's something zen in that I, I I live um, out it, just on the outskirts of a village, and j- there's a little park nearby. Nearby, and it's it is you know it's got little paths, and it's it's very very much a curated environment, like wilderness environment, um, mm. um, wilderness. So the idea that that you're breaking away is not really complete. It's not a genuine breaking away from from the rest of the town that's just nearby, but it it's it's a start. It's a way to get people out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to get people to understand that you don't have to reject the, your entire way of life in order to appreciate um, the, the words of stones and learning to speak right. with them. But it's a way Absolutely. to... It's, it's a way to care for. And it's, and it's a way mm-hmm. to um, roll into a broader mindset. Um, but it's, it's a way to have your cake and eat it too. To to acknowledge the weaknesses of this of the world that we live in, and embrace yep. the power of something else, the the other. We want to experience wildness, but we also want to feel safe in it. Um, we're a bit yeah we've gone a bit far beyond sort of being able to be in the absolute wilderness. Many of us wouldn't be able to survive that. Um, but it seems that paying att- being able to pay attention, so when you're on that path, you're thinking about being on the path, and you're thinking about the the rocks under your feet or uh, the trees and the the birds and insects and whatever else, and you're not thinking about what am I doing on my social media account or what am I doing what do i have what job do I have to do when I get back into the office or or whatever and it that ability to sort of distance that human noise and be able to be in in the be present in the in the presence of the the other than human stuff that's all around you absolutely vital i think to um to to, if you you know sense of stewardship it's about relationship and how you you relationships can't form unless unless the you know if we're talking about humans relationships crumble if those humans aren't communicating if they're not um, attending to each other and and caring for each other and it's just the same for the human with every, in relation to everything else if we're not paying attention to everything else to the rocks to the trees to the to to the seas whatever it may be then our relationship falls apart and i think we're very much in the midst of that at, at the moment mm. it seems so yeah paying attention to a rock is is a is is very much that Getting getting back into a, a a true relationship, I think a relationship that has to exist, and um, unless you know, and if it if it doesn't, then we carry on down our anthropocentric um, path, probably to a not very pleasant place. I think parks are the gateway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so even even in the rural environment, it's easy to get lost in humans. And I think that your practice helps remind us that we are just, we're not alone here. Like there's plants, animals, stones, water, wind, they will do their thing. And in order to best serve all parties, a little bit of pers- a little bit of um, perspective and a little bit of awareness will help, it is necessary. Mm. Mm. 
I think I'm I'm quite conscious of trying to to do that. You know, you never know how um, how art would be perceived by other people. Um, but yeah, I can certainly say from my own perspective, it is it it is a way of a creative practice is a way of trying to remain present and um, holding holding all these things that we've been talking about um, somehow close because it's very easy for them to to um, drift away, as you say. You know the the, the human the human noise is we're, we're everywhere you know we're and you know that can be quite quite overwhelming a bit depressing when you think about biodiversity loss and all that i think that is actually that that's a point i was thinking about earlier actually um your your, your comment about it, it sort of being intimidating and overwhelming to mm. try and correct or, or correct for previous um actions and the, I, it can be intimidating. It is absolutely intimidating to realize that you know we've we've embarked upon this sort of post-industrial um, sort of world trajectory, and all the dire news we hear in you know just pretty much every day or at least every week um, of 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 what what will what li- what we stand to lose. But the idea that if it remains in the abstract, it's much easier to disregard. Um, and in that way, the wilderness, the rural, the other, the unfamiliar, the strange, it's much easier to just discard them if you don't engage with them. Yeah, you know, I'm I, like anybody else. I, I appreciate the things that humans have made and like going to cities. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm... I am more more connected to rural environments, but I, you know, I like going to to the city and and feeling that vibrancy of of the, the human made world just buzzing. But it has to be put in the context of it. Um, it can only exist because the world, you know, the earth enables it to exist, and we we don't think that. You know, we're 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 very arrogant creatures, um, and I think that that we have to be humbled a bit. Um, or a lot, um, and and by slowing down, walking is is a great way of of doing that, and 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 just encountering what's on your doorstep. I think it would be a great step if mm. uh, if we all were to open our door, step outside on our threshold, and find our next field. Thank you for listening to the Furman Woods Contemporary Art Podcast. We're nearing the end of this first season of the Furman Woods Podcast. If you've enjoyed these episodes, make sure to positively rate, review, and subscribe. It helps others find the podcast, and it makes us feel good about ourselves. This episode received support from Arts Council England and the Kenneth Fund. You can find Tom Baskefield at his website, tombaskefield.co.uk. Tom has provided a wealth of supplementary material for this episode, available along with a full transcript at the link in the episode description. Follow us at Furman Woods on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Visit FurmanWoods.org for more on our program and to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you back here soon.